Hi, I'm Kevin Harrington. I'm Samba Bachili. Nina Vaca, Chief Executive Officer of Pinnacle Group. An original shark from the hit TV show Shark Tank. The CEO of ADS Group. The largest Latina-owned workforce solutions in America. I first identify myself as an entrepreneur when I was 15 years old. My mother and father immigrated here with a suitcase and a dream. I had a front row seat to entrepreneurship. I am living proof of what is possible in this country. Today, the marketplace is, is very tough. The challenge for African market today is its access to capital. The number one reason why we can't scale as entrepreneurs is access to capital. What makes GLOW so different and so powerful is the access to experts, gurus, mentors, coaches, financiers, venture people, money. When I started my business, I immediately went to engage with different communities, different platforms. Glow makes that experience digital. A digital platform makes it so much faster and so much easier for you to meet like-minded people. The financial platform that Glow have that make Glow unique. Glow is about commerce, Glow is about community, and Glow is about having access to capital. Glow is an asset to every entrepreneur in this country and globally. It's, it's about helping you take your business, your idea, to the next step. So I want to welcome everyone to the Business Acceleration 2.0 program. It's the show where leaders go to grow. It's brought to you by the Business Finishing School, the online program to help you with your business to make it more excuse me, more profitable, more scalable, more sustainable, and more um, scalable. So Business Finishing School, it's got 48 modules, over 100 different videos, unbelievable program to help you as an entrepreneur mm -hmm. make your business one that you want to, even if you don't want to sell it, make it a business that people want to buy. We also want to thank the Global Leaders Organization as a sponsor. Global Leaders Organization is a membership organization made up of entrepreneurs, CEOs from all around the world. Uh, they come together to help with the community aspect because we know as an entrepreneur, it's very lonely at the top. So we come together, whether it be in a chapter or online. Um, we also have the marketplace to help you with your commerce, help you grow your business by doing transactions with one another. And finally, what makes Glow really unique is the ability to raise capital on the platform. So if you're looking to raise capital, whether it be debt or equity, Glow can help assist you in finding the right capital for your needs. So without further ado, we're gonna go ahead and uh, move into the last portion of our kind of housekeeping, which is uh, the mention about our program that we have coming up in March in Dallas, Texas. It's the new GLOW Summit. It'll be our first inaugural GLOW Summit, but the 10th Business Finishing School uh, program, or actually the 18th, they've been doing it for 10 years. So we're excited to be bringing those two programs to you. And uh, March 3rd through the 6th, Dallas, Texas, GLOW Summit. Check us out. Uh, you can see the link there on, on the video. So uh, last now, uh, without further ado, we've got our guest. Uh, Miss Kimberly Schlegel Whitman. So, Kimberly, it's so nice to have you on, and I appreciate you being on and and helping us deal with these kind of technical difficulties that we experienced today. So, thank you for being patient with us. No problem at all. I'm so excited yeah. to be on. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. This is going to be exciting. We've known each other for a long time. We're going to have some fun for this next 
few minutes and, and learn about you as an entrepreneur. In fact, let's just kind of dive right into it. You've had lots of different businesses that you've created, you've sold. Entrepreneurship's definitely in your blood. Give us a yeah. little background for our viewers on how you got started. Absolutely. Well, I definitely grew up in an entrepreneurial household. Both of my parents worked and had businesses together. Um, it's just dawning on me as I say this, that they also had multiple businesses always going at the same time. Maybe that's a part of my problem. <laughs> There's, I can't stick to just one. Um, so it was, uh, I grew up in a house where we talked about uh, our businesses and my parents discussed, you know, the things that were going on on a daily basis at the dinner table. So it definitely seemed like something that was just normal to do. Like to me, that that lifestyle of of entrepreneurship was um, something I, I was very comfortable with because I had heard so many things about the roller coaster of it uh, growing up. So after I uh, graduated from school, I thought that I wanted to work um, in the arts. I studied art history and I went to Christie's in New York and did a program there. And I thought that's what I wanted to do. And at that time, I was also planning um, a special party for my debutante ball with my mother. And I just kind of fell in love with the process of doing that. And also, while doing that, saw a need in the market that was not being met in Dallas in luxury uh, high-end party rentals. So um, I literally had one of those moments that Oprah talks about, one of those aha moments <laughs> where my mother was loaning some things to friends. We ended up buying a lot of things for my party uh, that it turned out to be less expensive to buy the items than it did to rent them out of New York or Los Angeles or Washington, D.C., where there were companies existing in high-end luxury rentals and shipping them to Texas to use and then shipping them mm -hmm. back. It was actually less expensive or the same amount of money to purchase many of them. So that's what we did. And uh, my mother was loaning them to friends. That's how I saw that there really was a demand for it. And she was up on a step stool this one day and pulling out some plates to loan to a friend. And I was helping her and kind of under her breath, she said, oh, we should be charging for this. And yeah. it was like that aha moment for me. It's like, we should. Yeah. So I started a party rental business and I literally rented my mother's things to her friends. And that's how <laughs> I started my business. <laughs> okay, so I'm curious, you've started lots of businesses and you've sold lots of businesses. Yes. When you've started these businesses in the past, did you have in mind that you were going to sell them or how, how did that even come about? It's such a good question. So originally, no, I didn't. I mean, I was building them for the long haul, you know, it was something mm -hmm. I thought that I would do for forever and ever. And um, the thought of selling my party rental business, which was my first business, just didn't even really occur to me um, until 2005, I was married and um 2006 trying to get pregnant and my husband was like you know you're working you know when you work in special events you're working friday nights and saturday nights and thursday nights and tuesday nights and monday nights right. and, you know <laughs> every sudden, night you know it's 24 <laughs> 7 as as m most you know entrepreneurial endeavors are but there was like just really no break on the weekends or anything and um he suggested he was like what if you sold it and i said i wouldn't even know where to start? Well, um, he ended up helping me by calling my two biggest customers and suggesting to both of them that I might be interested in selling. And I got offers from both of those companies. 
um, and sold to one of them. So that as I was starting businesses later, I really did start to keep in mind that, um, you know, there were certain elements of it that maybe I should be cognizant of potentially, you know, getting in the way of a sale or like, for example, my name has been attached to so many of my businesses. Mm -hmm. So to kind of start to be more aware of separating my name so that they had a life of their own and a name of their own and a brand of their own um, was something Smart. that I started to pay attention to at that point. So what other lessons did you learn in selling businesses? Because a lot of our members who are listening are interested in selling their business as well. So were there any other lessons that you learned? Absolutely. Well, in every case, when I've sold a business, I have reached out to the potential buyers. Um, well, either my husband mm -hmm. did or I did personally. Um, and I, I guess, you know, the very simple way of putting that is that you'll never get what you don't ask for. Um, mm -hmm. and, and literally in every case, um, I kind of had my eye on someone that I thought might be a good fit. I shouldn't say someone, another business that I thought would be a good fit. And I reached out to the leadership there and suggested that I thought it would be a good fit for them. And also for me, I wanted it to be something that was mutually beneficial. And um, it's worked out in, in every case that I've reached out and done that. So um, definitely to just really think about, you know, who this helps, who this could be an asset to and what it could bring to them. Um, in one case, I had a linen business uh, called Halo Home. And they were all, uh, all of the, the luxury table linens uh, were made by hand and mm -hmm. um, in Vietnam. And the work was just amazing. They were very high end, but um, the, the, I went there to the factory and um, it was a great experience. And um, my business partner in this situation needed to sell. So I reached out to another lady in a, with a similar business who was having all of her linens handmade um, as well. It quite fairly different style, but I mm -hmm. knew that she wanted to grow. And because of the relationships that we had built with these craftsmen and artists in Vietnam, we were really able to help uh, her by... Um, connecting her with them. So she bought our business and was able to grow hers exponentially. We also were in 200 retail stores by the time we sold to her. Mm -hmm. So that um, also opened up doors to her, an avenue that she, she went direct to customer only, but was interested in um, doing some whole, wholesale business. So we kind of gave her a jump start on that. So um, I think it's very you know, I, I really wanted it to be something where we all walked away very happy with the with the sale. And I wanted to be really happy with what was happening with the business. And I wanted the buyers to be really happy with what they were getting and the doors that it might open for them. It sounds like it was a real win-win for everybody, actually. I hope so. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if in the past you've had lots of different businesses. And one of the components in Glow is the ability to raise capital on our platform. And a lot of our members consequently are raising capital. Do you, did you ever raise capital for any of your business? Um, I did. I raised capital um, through the hardest people in the world that it is to raise capital from, which is my parents. <laughs> um, so I had daily phone calls going, what's going on? What are the numbers today? What is this? What is that? Um, so uh, I, I did, they very much made sure that, um, 
it, it was never a large amount, but I mean, just to, to get me started, um, they, they would help me out, um, at the beginning. And like I said, I mean, I was literally renting my mother's thing. Like I started out literally from my mother's pantry with my first business. <laughs> so, um, yes. And actually, uh, I, it's actually not something that I would recommend. I mean, we've talked about this um, in our family before. My father actually has a book coming out next year about entrepreneurship, and he has a whole chapter in there about um, raising capital or borrowing money and how it really shouldn't be done through family or friends. Um, but I mean, I will say my mother and I talk about all the time how it was really like a low point in our relationship when she was literally calling every day, asking for updates on things. And um, so, you know, there are pros and cons. It was easy to explain what I was doing to them and explain, that, you know, that I, you know, my father helped me with my numbers. So it was very easy mm -hmm. to explain my projections and my numbers and things to them, of course. But um, uh, it was it was a difficult uh, dynamic for our relationship. So in in your mind, it might even it might be better to bootstrap it and just uh, and maybe and maybe that's what your dad's chapter in the book is even about. Um, absolutely. But, uh, and I mean, I think I, I was certainly, um, you know, being very careful and cognizant of it as I would be, whether it was through, you know, a bank or VC or, you know, whatever mm -hmm. it is, wherever it's coming from, I was very cognizant about what was happening with all of it. But, um, I don't, I can't say I have a lot of advice or, or experience in, in raising capital in other ways. Okay. Um, well, okay. But what you do have experience in and, in is really capturing your passion so all of your businesses seem to have been around the passion that you have for entertaining am i correct on that that's right yes yeah so um you obviously figured out what your passion was and you went for it did you ever take an endeavor where you went outside of your passion um that's a great question i mean i think that there have been times where i've done things that were outside of my wheelhouse that I learned very fast were, um, you know, maybe I wasn't the right person for, I didn't ever really start a business outside of that, but mm -hmm. I do remember, uh, in particular, except I do a lot of speaking engagements and I remember accepting a speaking engagement at a conference. And then they came back later and they said, you know what, we all, we have someone else talking about setting the table. So, um, what if you talked about, you know, work-life balance? And I was like, well, sh you know, sure, that would be great. And in hindsight, I, I remember, I look back on that speaking engagement thinking, um, there were probably a lot of people in the audience that could have, uh, talked about, you know, what to do and what not to do better than I could, you know, in a more eloquent way than I could have. Um, so I'm I, sure I, you did a great job though. You're very sweet, but you know, it's one of those things you look back, I look back on and I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Um, but you know, I, I have expanded, I think, um, mm -hmm. on my passion by, um, you know, I definitely have combined two things I love, which is entrepreneurship and business with lifestyle and entertaining, but I've also mm -hmm. really kind of, you know, broadened, um, and pushed myself into this kind of media world as well, where I, I, um, I had a website, which I now have back. I actually sold it and got it back again. Um, a website that keeps a listing of the charity events that happen in Dallas. So to be on that media side was very interesting. I also um, served as editor at large for Southern Living for, for many years, um, mm -hmm. for 10 years. And so that, um, you know, it, it was like taking what I love, my passion and kind of like 
taking it from a business world into this kind of media with a media life on the side. And I learned, I've learned a lot from that. Well, you've done really well with that because you've got eight books. Is that correct? That's right. Yes. Yeah. That, that's amazing. I mean, it's not an easy task to write a book, number one, but to have eight of them. That's fantastic, Kimberly. Thank you. And well, I've had an awesome uh, editor for every, the same editor and publisher for every single one. So it's, that's been a great experience. I was just going to ask you, so is the publisher, is it someone that, that you've known that that's in the book world um, that does just entertainment books? No. So um, it's a publishing house called Gibbs Smith out of Utah. It's a small boutique publishing house that does high-end coffee table books. It was their specialty. Mm -hmm. They also have um, a department that does children's books and um, they are fantastic. I mean, I, I stumbled upon it by um, again, putting out there into the universe, like you'll never get what you don't ask for. So I asked a friend of a family friend who had written many, many books on interior design. And I said, you know, I've got this party rental business and I'm very interested in writing a book someday. What should I be doing now to help prepare for that? And I really didn't anticipate that she would answer the way she did. I thought she'd maybe say, you know, this was long before digital photography. This was like 2003, 2004. And I said, um, I, I expected her to say, like, start collecting photos, start taking notes on this and that, maybe write some sample chapters when you feel inspired and see how they go. And um, instead, she said that her publishing house had asked her to do a book on entertaining and she didn't feel that it was um, her thing. She wanted to continue to do interior design books, but she said, I'll call my editor and tell her about um, you and that you wanna do one. So start coming up with some <laughs> ideas. And it happened very, very fast for me. It was a very unique situation. Um, I did not have a literary agent. I did not go through this kind of like traditional process of writing a book, but it was, it was very, very exciting. It happened very fast. And thank God I had a wonderful and patient and supportive editor who um, I've now done. I, we just finished my ninth book. It's at the printers now. Wow, um, what is it? So What's the name of it? It's called A Loving Table, and it's all about the traditions that uh, women today use that they learned from their mothers, their grandmothers, their aunts, their godmothers, significant women in their lives, and how they translate them into you know, our modern life and, and how they use them today. So it was very interesting writing a book in the middle of COVID um, because at the beginning when we had, I, I have a co-author for this book, her name is Shelley Johnstone. And she's a friend of mine, an interior designer out of Chicago. And um, thank God for her because um, it was, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, we had this book contract and we thought, well, there's no, you know, how silly to be talking about uh, parties in the middle of isolation. So right. we yeah. kind of pumped the brakes on it for a little bit. And then as things started to open up a little bit more, um, or at least smaller groups started to gather, we realized that these things are maybe more important now than ever, that taking the traditions that we learned from generations mm -hmm. in the past and applying them to the way we live today, they're they're more meaningful now and I think appreciated now more than they have been for a long time. So, um, so we set back to work, we had an extension, we were supposed to come out last year, we're coming out next year. So um, the timing- That's known in the book. Yep, that sort of yeah. stuff is known in the book world, so. For sure, for sure. But I'm very, very excited about it and um, and uh, very uh, honored. And I feel really privileged that the publishing house has continues to ask me to to do more, so. 
It's great. And I would think as well with the books that's helped with your following because you've got a nice size following on your social media. Thank has you. That well, played, yeah. Has that played a role with your business? Absolutely. I mean, the books are not something that contributes significantly financially um, to what I do. I mean, it is wonderful and there is something there, but um, uh, I'm not selling, you know, uh, like a like a great novel that's selling millions and millions of copies. So um, what I really see it more as is um, it's a really fun and fulfilling creative outlet for me. And mm -hmm. um, it also is kind of a calling card in a sense in that, um, right. you know, I have an online tabletop store. And so to be able to um, be considered an expert in that field and then contribute to um, encouraging people to purchase these tabletop items. I, you know, I see it more as like a, a call, a, I use the phrase calling card already. It's kind of like an advertisement in a sense for me. Right, um, right. They could also achieve at home, um, you know, by coming to the website. So it definitely helps to have the phone ring. Would you say the books have helped with your PR? Cause you, you've been on the Today Show, you've been on the CBS Early Show, Access Hollywood, you've been in Wall Street Journal, Vogue, Vanity Fair. I mean, you're everywhere. So have the books also helped with that as a calling card or or Definitely. even with clients calling you as well? All of it. Yes, absolutely. Right. I mean, they're they're really a great um, portfolio of what you can do, portfolio of work. And it certainly does catch the attention, I think, of media when they're looking for experts mm -hmm. in a field to be able to um, be a published author that's contributing to them as an expert is you know, certainly valued, I think. But um, but then you also have to be able to bring it for them, you know, when they ask you to give in to to help out. So, um, you know, I, I really am passionate about what I do and I really um, I work hard at it. And it sounds like mm -hmm. um, such a fluffy thing to be working on, you know, setting the table or making your home uh, lovely. And but I really try to do the homework and understand why we do the things we do and why they're meaningful and um, to really be able to explain the stories behind them, I think is really what helps when it comes to the media. They're really looking for stories, you know, um, they want great storytellers. So whatever it mm -hmm. is that you're passionate about to be able to, to tell the story behind it and, and, you know, why it works for your customers and why it enhances their life and makes their life better. Um, not just what they should do, but, but why they should do it and how they should do it. And, you know, really um, creating the the full spectrum for for the audience is what the media is looking for, I think. So I've really enjoyed telling those stories. And so I think that um, over time I've learned to really hopefully take some of the work off of the producer or the writer or, you know, they're all very busy and they all run on skeleton staffs. So be to be able to go to people working in the media and say, you know, I can, help you with this and I, I can bring the whole package to it, I think is is really helpful for them. And they'll keep asking you back if you're able to deliver every time like that and make their jobs easy for them. Yeah, good advice, Kimberly. That's great. I would imagine that, it, you know, the phone is ringing for you now because you are the expert in the industry. But in the beginning, when they didn't know who you were, maybe it was your first book or maybe the book wasn't even out, your first book wasn't even out yet. Um, did you, were there any other tricks that you learned along the way, or was it really just crafting a story and providing the whole A to Z for them? No, that's a great question. I mean, I did a tremendous amount of media training before I ever mm -hmm. 
um, spoke or went on camera with almost everything that I did. Um, and so I think that that's very, very helpful. Um, just also that one piece of advice that someone gave me that I always thought was so great was that when you were talking to a camera or um, talking into a microphone or doing a speaking engagement or anything like that was to picture one friend or one person that you knew um, that you were talking to and just imagine that you were, the camera was that person. And there weren't millions of people looking at you when you were on the Today Show, but there was one and it was that friend of yours that mm -hmm. you knew loved to hear that message. Um, and that was very, very helpful for me. So to be able to go and do my first ones um, and feel comfortable and confident because of the training that I had and the, um, I mean, I really had confidence that I knew my materials. So I, I really felt, mm -hmm. I didn't feel nervous because I felt that they couldn't really ask me a question that I didn't have a good answer to. So I think to go mm -hmm. in prepared and go in confident when you do get that chance is really important. I also think when I was starting out, Michelle, it was so different than today. I mean, now it's so easy for everyone yeah. to have their own platform. So you can go on Instagram live or you can go on Facebook live or you can go, you know, just practice mm -hmm. in front of your own camera and, and stream it to your private group of friends and let them critique you. I mean, it's really, really easy to practice and and then to get your word out. So you don't have to go, um, you know, from sitting behind your desk to the Today Show anymore. You really have these um, access to getting your word out there and getting your message out there and getting lots of practice so you feel confident. But I will also say, um, that I said yes to everything that came my way at the beginning. So um, mm -hmm. I, I remember some professionals in PR telling me, you know, you need to be very selective and only do, you know, only do town and country, only do Vanity Fair, um, only do Today Show, only do national things. And I, I really said yes to everything. So I did, um, you know, local morning shows in tiny little towns uh, where I had a book signing, for example, in a tiny town in Texas or something. And I, I did the shows because I, I thought that there was value in all of it for the experience. And um, and I'm so glad I did because it made it feel very natural to me to then go to um, Studio 1A. And, and I think that that would also help with just the groundswell too, right? So when you did have a new book that came out, I mean, you've got people in small towns across the country that are familiar with you, which is wonderful. Yeah, I mean, I, I I hope it made a difference. If nothing else, it made me feel like um like I had a grasp on you know what I did wrong and what I did right, and you know right. to be able to to get better every single time. And you are a professional. I can't imagine you showing up anywhere where you were not prepared. So I try. Um, <laughs> I try. Okay. So you and I met a long time ago in a network, and. Um, I want to talk about networks for just a minute because in GLOW, we really promote our community because as an entrepreneur, it's always lonely by yourself, lonely at the top. And to have a community of like-minded peers for me was really important. And we really try to promote that within GLOW. Can you talk about how networks have helped you? Absolutely. With it's, your business. Yes, absolutely. It's so true. Um, you know, in every way they have. Um, my parents were both members of um, a big business network, international one growing up. And uh, we traveled with them and we got to know the other families, um, the children of the other families who, um, you know, mm -hmm. remained 
confidants and friends and um, business advisors of mine to this day. So um, in that way, it was very, very um, beneficial. And so when it when I had my own business, I was very interested in joining my own networks. And as you said, that's how we met. And mm-hmm. um, and I do think it's so incredibly valuable. I mean, here we are today, which we wouldn't be doing if it wasn't for that. But um, right. Yeah. Right. But um, Mm -hmm. I also just think um, as an entrepreneur, you face so many unusual um, and odd questions and situations that come up. And to be able to turn to someone in your network and say, you know, what did you do when this happened to you? Or did this ever happen to you? Or how do you handle whatever it is? You know, I mean, I think it's just so wonderful to be able to throw questions around to trusted people who have had similar experiences and and share. you know, their mistakes and their successes. And, you know, I have to say right now in my husband, my husband's in a small group and he has some of his, um, some of the members of his very small group who have had some great successes and sales of their businesses and that kind of thing recently. And it's just so exciting to get to celebrate with them um, for, you know, all the great things happening for them. But also um, it's very motivating because you see what they have going on and it's just, (laughs) Very, very motivating on the days when you think you just can't wake up and do that grind one more time. You know, it's really that's right to see what everybody yeah. has um, achieved. So in that way, it it's re- been very valuable. Yeah, it's very exciting to watch because we've all grown up kind of together in business. And it's so yes. fun to see how everyone has grown, sold businesses, started new ones. It's fun to watch that. Absolutely. Um, so what's next for Kimberly? Oh my goodness. Um, well, I told you got your new book. Yes. A new book in March of 2022, which I'm very excited about a loving table. And, um, I'm just really, really enjoying, uh, working on my, um, my tabletop website, which is called shop KSW. Uh, we're looking for a new name because as I said to you earlier, it's not good for me to have my name on all of these things because it's harder to sell them then without me staying connected to it. Um, so well, we maybe are- we should have a competition, like a little competition with people to name it. Give Ooh, you some I would love that. I yeah. would absolutely love that. Um, we have family conversations about it around the dinner table. And I feel like all I do is say no, no, no to all of my family. So I would love, <laughs> I would love to go to them and be like, listen to all these ideas I got. And we can find something to say yes to. Um So um, that would be great. I would love it. Um, And then I also am, you know, we talked about stepping outside of my wheelhouse. One of the things I did last year was a collaboration licensing agreement with Dillard's. And we did a line of dresses um, for their stores. And it was a great success. So we're doing it again. Um, So summer of 2022, I'll have another collection of dresses available exclusively at Dillard's in the summertime. So I'm very, very excited. That's exciting. Yes, that is so exciting, Kimberly. Just a a woman of many, many um, just great successes and um, well, I've just said capabilities. Yes to, I've said yes to too many things, Michelle. I think yeah, I think no, I've always so been fun. a yes person, and it's been you know it's provided a lot of great adventures, and some of them have been you know more fruitful than others, but certainly they've all been an adventure, which has been great. So before we go to some of the questions, I want to ask you one one last one. We've got questions that have come in from our audience, so sure. from our members. But I want to ask you, what would you tell? young Kimberly that's just starting out with RSVP soiree, what would you tell her? Certainly just keep saying yes. I mean, I think um, that was, I mean, 
one of the things that made it all interesting and fulfilling for me. I mean, I think that there are so many days when it is very, very hard, as we all know. Um, and certainly times when I think, oh, this is it, you know, I'm going to throw in the towel on this one <laughs> and just to continue to say yes to the things, because if it's, if it's an adventure, that's what keeps me motivated. And I think that, um, and certainly those days, like when it's the hardest, that's when you realize that you're challenging yourself the most and, um, the most exciting days are ahead. So I keep trying to remind myself to, uh, yeah, keep and doesn't sound like you're ever going to slow down at all, Kimberly. Okay, we've got some questions that have come in. We've got Judith from Facebook was asking a question. She, she asked, I've seen so many of your wonderful products around Dallas and all over. How do you pick those winning ideas that you have? Is there a process or is it just hit and miss to find out what people really want? Oh, that's such a good question. Well, it's just a very authentic process, to be honest with you. It's really what I would like. I mean, would I use that? Would I put that in my home? Would I buy that if it was in front of me? Um, I think that that's really just it. I mean, it's very personal. There's not a science to it. Um, I think I just have learned over time what I like and what works and what doesn't. I, I think also experience has been very helpful in that area for me. Um, mm -hmm. I know, you know, a certain lip on a plate often doesn't work. It's hard to cut on it or a certain candle, you know, the wax drips and ruins your linens or that kind of thing. I mean, there's certainly like little things that have, have helped me, um, refine what I would recommend or what I would suggest but um yeah it's really just an authentic um you know would i would i use it would i buy it kind of response so that's your your litmus test is is this something i would buy yeah and i think that yeah. that works for everybody in all situations i mean in any kind right. of business you know would mm -hmm. you come back to that business would you would you come back to your own business if you were a customer would you buy it again would you buy it in the first place um right. you know it's I think yeah. you really have to ask yourself, like, forget all the studies and forget all the polls and forget all of the trend reports. I mean, is that what you or your parents or your children, like, is that what they would want and do? Right. Pocketbook talks, right? <laughs> okay. So Tyler from LinkedIn has asked a question. I had a terrible experience with a family involved in investing and promised myself I would never do it again. Yeah. But how do you say no to family family members who want to invest? Family members who want to invest. Oh my gosh, that's a great problem to say no to. <laughs> um, I think, you know, just I always think that honesty is the best way to go in all of these things. So to maybe even share your past experiences and say, I mean, not in detail, obviously, you don't want to stir the pot, but right. just to say, you know, I just had one bad experience and I think that I really want to try to look elsewhere. Um, you know, thank you. So I'm so honored. I'm so flattered. How wonderful that they want to. I mean, that's great. Right. Um, but, but that's good advice just to be honest with them. Right. Yeah. Okay. Karen is asking a question. I also am in decorating and catering for events. It seems like it's a 24 seven job. Yes. And it seems like no matter how much staff I add or managers I hire, it always seems like 24 seven. I even worked on Thanksgiving day. How in the world do you make time for your personal life? Yes. Balance? <laughs> yes. I mean, it is really the, the hardest thing, um, especially in the field that she's in. 
Um, I mean, what I did to scale my business was not to continue to add more events in, but to find other ways to earn um, or what's the right way to put it? I found other ways to do the work that I was already doing and make it profitable. So, for example, one of the things I read many, many years ago was that Martha Stewart, when she does something and she has a photo shoot for it, she does not use those photos only one time. She'll use them in a book. She'll use them in her magazine. She'll use them in a newsletter. She'll use them now in her social media um, and all of that. So to, to be able to find other ways to take the hard work that you're doing, because it is so hard and it is so laborious. And I also know that you put so much love in it. If you worked on Thanksgiving mm -hmm. Day to make somebody else's experience better, um, you're already putting so much into it. So find ways to take what you're doing. Maybe it's through photography um, and utilizing those photos. Maybe it's maybe there's a media channel that you feel really comfortable with, social media or YouTube videos or whatever. Take your expertise and take what you've learned and find another way to earn money off of that. So that instead of working mm -hmm. so many days, you're working less days, you're working really, really smart and putting all sorts of love and creativity into the days that you're working. And then you're making the very, very most out of it by not only making someone's meal amazing and someone's home beautiful, um, but by then taking that forward and sharing what you know about it with other people so that they can do the same thing. I love that. Did that, that. make sense? Yeah, so you're finding okay. additional revenue streams, right? Absolutely. Off of something you've already doing, right? You're doing, yes. So hopefully if you're able to put a little time and effort into that, um, maybe get someone to help you with it. If, if you don't feel comfortable with that as your expertise, hopefully you can work less days and make more money off of it going forward. Smart advice. Okay, Miles from LinkedIn asks, your taste and your sense of style is just outstanding. Does this all come naturally? Um, or do you have a lot of training and education? Well, that's a great question. I think life um, is training and education in this field. I mean, I, I look back on my first book, for example, and some of the things that I did in 2004 and photographed and I go, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. I would never do that today. So certainly you evolve <laughs> um, through experience. But um, I also am a researcher and I love to study. I think I mentioned that I studied art history and um, I'm very, very interested in why we set the table the way we do, why we decorate the way we do, um, you know, what historical references um, mean something there. So, the, so there's no uh, place for me to stop learning. I'm always trying to educate myself on what was going on um, historically that influences what we do today. So, you know, I love, um, I collect old etiquette books. I love, um, you know, there's a, I love studying all those things and, um, you know, the little things from like, you know, you never put your soup spoon towards you when you're eating soup, you always do it away from you. And um, that's because it's a very practical thing. You don't want to drip on yourself. But if all you learn is the rule <laughs> and not the why, then it's a lot less interesting and also much harder to remember. So I'm constantly diving into um, all the who, what, when, where's and why's about everything that we're doing. And I think that's makes very it helpful. so fun. Yeah. Yeah. Makes it fun too. And it makes it, I think that's how you've been able to maintain your passion too. It's the constant learning with it, right? And absolutely. Um, now with um, with the holidays right around the corner or we're in, you know, just finished one and, and moving into the Christmas holidays. Um, are there any rules that we need to know about 
uh, in regards to setting our tables for the holidays? Oh, it's such a, there, there are so many, I hate calling them rules, so many guidelines that help <laughs> us, but I always, there's one little one that I love to share because I think that it sticks with people. And I mean, I cannot tell you how many tables that I've set and photographed and styled and all of these things. Um, but one of, I always, one of the things I always have to sit there and do is ask myself, does the fork go on the left or does the fork go on the right? And I have to pause every single time and ask myself that. <laughs> and the little trick is that fork has four letters in it, F-O-R-K, and left has four letters in it, L-E-F-T. So the fork always goes on the left. Spoon and knife both have five letters and right both ha or right has five letters. So that's how I always remember that the forks are on the left and the knives and spoons are on the right. Oh, that's a great little trick. I'm going to remember that's that. An then. easy little trick, but it sticks with everybody. Yeah. And it hopefully will save you one step. You don't have to look it up when you're setting your table. <laughs> okay, so but before we go, I want everyone to know about your book again. When is it coming out and where can Thank we find it? Thank you so much. Okay, so it's coming out March of 2022. Uh, technically, it's March 15th, but I'm really scared. I'm superstitious. I hate putting that date out because of all of the um, supply chain issues we're all having right now. Hopefully, um, it could get to you by March 15th of 2022. But it's called A Loving Table. It's published by Gibbs Smith. My co-author is Shelley Johnstone. And it's available, autographed copies available for pre-order at shopksw.com or you can order from Amazon. Love that, okay. Thank you so for letting we'll, me plug that, Michelle. Yes, for sure. <laughs> and what we'll end up doing on the GLOW platform on our website for our members, we'll also put that information up, okay? Oh, thank you so much. So that everybody will know. All right, so Kimberly, what a pleasure spending this time with you. This has been fantastic, and I appreciate you so much for coming on to the show. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. First of all, it's so great to see you. It's been way too long. It's and been way too long. It's yeah. been way too long, but I'm really flattered that you asked. Thank you so much. And um, I can't wait to keep watching and listening in on all of these wonderful programs that you do. Yep. Well, we're excited for you to be a part of them. And thank you once again. So everyone that's still tuned in, just make sure you tune in next week for our next show, which is going to be a really interesting with a woman by the name of Journey. And she's going to be talking to us about starting the very first comedy museum. So it's going to be interesting. She did it during the during the pandemic, which is going to be fun. Okay, so um, remember also we've got the Glow Summit that's coming up March third through the sixth that we would love to see you at. We've got Kevin Harrington that will be speaking. We've got Ford Sakes, Vince Pacenti, of course, um, and we've got a whole slew of other speakers, experts that will be uh, showing up and sharing their expertise with you. So thank you so much for joining. Until next week, stay safe and God bless. Bye-bye.